I'm sales team turnaround specialist, Jeremy DeMerchant. And each week I bring sales leaders like you, experts and insights that will help you level up your leadership, motivate like a master, and ultimately crush your comp plan. If it's time to raise the bar on your team's performance, then it's time for Sales Team Rescue. And we are live. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 23 of Sales Team Rescue. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Jeremy DeMerchant. And today we have got another special guest. We have Haley Bowen of Marketing on Purpose. And let me tell you a little bit about Haley. She's a career marketer, brand strategist, and she has worked with both small and large companies in many of our beloved Canadian brands, including Moose Light, Swiss Chalet, and everybody's favorite on the East Coast, Alexander <laughs> Keats. She's worked closely with sales teams, both small and large, and believes that sales and marketing partnership is the key to long-term success. She now owns Marketing on Purpose, where she works hand-in-hand with business owners to help them create meaningful brands that will help drive their businesses to new heights. She's co-founder of Handled Social Media Training and host of Marketing on Purpose right here on Headspace TV. Haley, welcome to Sales Team Rescue. Thank you. So I, I'm really excited because we uh, you had me on your show, was it last week, two weeks ago? I, I, not enough. I should have had you on last week, too. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and we, But we got into a very interesting conversation about how sales and marketing work hand in hand and yeah. how detrimental it can be when there is a disconnect. So today I want to dig into that because my audience is a combination. We've got uh, people who want to build sales teams and we've got smaller businesses like entrepreneurs that um, are not sure what the next steps are. Um, and I've even got some sales reps that are watching that want to get better. And I think a lot of what we end up looking at on the sales side is when that person gets to me, whether they're presented to me in some sort of list, they're presented in the form of booking an appointment, um, there may be an import from somebody else's database, maybe a previous rep or somebody had been following up. We, we, we decide the value of that lead, and we shouldn't do this, but we decide the value of that lead based on how they got to us, right? We make a lot of assumptions, and marketing plays a big role. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about how you got here. Not only just on- Here on your show. <laughs> other than the intro, yeah. Like, but but what, what drove you to this point? You've, you've done amazing things. You've worked with great brands, and you- and you know, based on our previous conversation, you clearly get the value of sales and marketing working together. But what brought you into marketing? Um, well, I fell in love with marketing like early, early uh, first year of university. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I took one marketing class and I fell in love um, with the psychology of it um, and understanding like buying triggers and like you know the the reasons why people buy and why people do what they do. I find just so fascinating. Um, and then I was really lucky out of university. I started working. Um, well, I, I worked for one company in a sales capacity, mm-hmm. um, more lead generation, <laughs> um, which was really, really tough on me. And I realized, OK, that's not my niche. <laughs> um, and then fortunately, I got on with Alexander Keys at that time. And then I just learned about brands and like just the consistency it takes and everything that goes along with building um, a reputation for a company and a following. And I love it. Like I just love it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I know my experience, uh, you know, I, I did a marketing concentration in university 
and uh, I I got obsessed with not not so much how people look at things or why they buy, but how do you help them get over that hump? Like what's going on in their head in that moment? And, and it's so interesting because sales and marketing have a whole lot in common, mm-hmm. especially if you can just say, okay, this is who I'm targeting. This is what they're thinking now. How do I move them from here to here? Yeah, right. that's, that's and, what it is. And so uh, on the, the lead generation side, so we talked a little bit before we, we went live, uh, about a scenario where you worked with a company mm-hmm. who, uh, where there was a kind of a row, I'm going to say rogue agent, not really agent, <laughs> but, um, a sales rep who was doing some, uh, more than one. More, there's uh, tons of them. Okay. And, yeah. and so, and you were, and you mentioned something very interesting and you talked about how it drove you nuts when this person was kind of creating their own messaging. Yeah. So let, let's talk about that because, um, in the sales space, we tend to go and, you know, some of us will wait and go, when's my appointment getting booked? And that's something that I like to refer to as a sales rep. Yeah. Uh, and then there's people that'll go, okay, how do I go create the opportunity? I consider that a sales professional. And so the people that are going out trying to create the opportunities, if they're going out to LinkedIn or going out to networking events and they're, they're working on a message to share, to get really on point, where's the balance where you say, look, we need to make sure everybody's messaging is bang on to protect the brand. Mm-hmm. versus you've got a sales rep who wants to go and have a conversation and is waiting and waiting, waiting for no offense, but for marketing to get their, their stuff sorted yeah. out. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's different stages of the company. So if the company's starting out and they don't know their ideal customer that well, then I actually feel like the sales team um, almost is cr- like doing all of these mini focus groups. I always look at it that way. So marketing has to pay big bucks to understand the customers. We pay a lot of money to do unbiased research to really understand what triggers people, what perceptions we want, what perception is going to actually trigger buying, all of those things, what's the most important thing, and da-da-da-da. Um, but in lieu of that, marketing has sales because you guys are out there one-on-one doing one-on-one interviews that would cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars to do every single day. So... Um, and testing messaging. The key, though, is um, to share that, right? Yeah. And also, you got to take it with a grain of salt because it is a little bit more biased, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this one person's opinion or this one person it worked for, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. So the key with marketing is finding those connections between all of the ideal, like all of your best customers and finding those connections and crafting a message that's going to appeal to all of them because marketing appeals to more than one person, mm. right? Like we, we're trying to appeal to like one fictional character and stuff like that. But, but really it's, we have to have a broader um, appeal than one-on-one mm. conversation, but they feed into each other. Like sales yeah. can have such a huge impact on marketing if they communicate what they're learning. So, so let's say then we've got a small company and they don't have much of a marketing budget, but they have a salesperson or maybe, maybe they don't, maybe they're a solopreneur mm-hmm. and they're going out into the marketplace based on your experience and what you've seen. Would you say that their best bet is to sit back and do a whole lot of market research and do surveys or actually go out and go to make sales? And oh, actually, I'll just leave that question there. Just leave that there first. Yeah. Um, 
I think they should, like, I don't, I don't like surveys. I think surveys don't tell you that much. And no, I don't like survey. I like one-on-one research. And when I work with all my clients, I get them to identify either their most, their absolute best customers. And we drill them and ask them lots of questions. Or if they don't have any customers yet, then they go out and find who they believe to be their ideal based on certain criteria and ask them a series of questions that's going to get to the heart of it. Um, I don't know that they need, like when I do the surveys, I don't sell. Mm-hmm. Um, although I have them um, consider, do you think now that you've surveyed this potential client, if it's say it's not already a customer, um, would you think they would buy? Right. And mm-hmm. if they wouldn't, then we don't, we kind of like put them aside and say, okay, this, here's the pile of people that we don't think will buy. How are they different from the ones that we think will buy? And usually when you do, like I always say, when you're doing this research, don't sell, don't sell, don't sell, because it changes people. People don't want to say things that they think you're going to sell to them. Right. They won't be quite as honest, I find, in this type of research, but they tend to buy anyways, because you're probing and you're digging and you're doing all those things that great salespeople do, which is asking about them. So they tend to sell, even though I tell them not to sell. Gotcha. That's a <laughs> problem to have. <laughs> yeah. But but I do like the idea of asking them to buy, because then you'll know for sure. Well, that's it, right? Exactly. And I think that we, we tend to do a lot of market testing, uh, market testing, which yep. sometimes is a you know fancy word for, I don't want to go out and ask somebody for an order. But if we go out and pre-sell a product, right, and in a, then the, shift the question from would you buy, because we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, would you buy can get a, yeah, I would buy kind of response, but yeah. versus if you say, will you will you buy right now, like give me your credit card and we'll pre-purchase it, and they're like, oh, mm, maybe not so much, right? Yeah. And it's like that, that, that piece of plastic, <laughs> that credit card is the thing that reveals the truth. And the decision. And so I know I spent a lot of time studying market research and there's processes that are very, very valuable and you can get some great stuff, but I feel nothing is more valuable. Maybe not more valuable. Nothing is more on point to get a short term immediate response than saying, this is coming soon. Will you buy it now? Yeah. Then you'll know, then you're validating your product and service, right? Yeah, absolutely. So if we've got a salesperson who is in these conversations and let's just say we're going to, let's create something right now. We're going to create a scenario um, where you've got a list of people that came into you for whatever. Let's just say they signed up on a free training. So, you know, they're at least interested in bettering themselves. There's a problem they see they want to solve it. And I've got a sales team who I'm going to have call through that list and reach out. Now, one strategy would be just call, try to understand their challenges, help them solve a problem and move into a sales conversation. But let's say we shift it. Let's say we make that call one where they're reaching out and we want to make sure they ask specific questions so that they actually can do some marketing research. And then call number two is a follow-up where they sell. Okay. Yeah. So in that first call, that marketing research call, we're going to, we're going to describe it as what are some questions from a marketing perspective that you think are really important or those data points that are important for us to gather so that we can get more from the information we have? Um, the, the biggest question that you want to get down to is what it, for a marketer to understand is what is the trigger for somebody to actually buy, right? And so we know that buying decision, 
buying decisions are emotional. We know that through research because it uses the emotional emotional side of your brain. Um, So asking a lot of why questions. So um, I usually ask like, if it's somebody that you've, um, that you don't know, like a prospect, right? Because this is who you're talking about. These are the prospects. Um, I would ask, um, what do you know about my company? Right. Because that tells you what's your brand in the eyes of the prospects right now. And as a marketer, it's really important to understand how people perceive you, because that's what you're trying to do is is have them perceive you in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Um, I would also ask um, what made you. So if if they took a free training and we're going to your you were selling training mm-hmm. <laughs> too, Right. Yep. Then I would ask um, what made what was. What made you decide to opt into this free training? And then when they answer, I'd be like, why is that important? And then why is that important? And why? And keep asking why until you trigger some kind of emotional response. Because it's that emotion that as a marketer, you want to tap into. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, how did you find us? All of those questions too, right? To get to the, you know, the buyer's journey. So what's the trigger? What steps did you go through to finally lead you to this point? Gotcha. So, so part of it is research on what already is working in our systems that got you to this point. How did you find us? Yep. And then also, what are those buying triggers going forward? Why is this stuff important to you? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And then sometimes I ask if you were, so say the training was on marketing, right? So I would say um, you will find out why they, they opted into the training. So I would use their own, say they said, um, I want to do, I signed up for this training because I have no customers, right? Right. Um, So then I would want to know, okay, so what else have you done to try to solve for not having any customers? Mm. Right. And that will help you figure out where did you land on their buyer's journey too? Like, did they already buy 10 self-help books? Did they already try to get all the free stuff on YouTube? What did they do to get to the point because then as a marketer, you can insert yourself earlier in the buyer's journey mm-hmm. if you understand what that journey is. I like that. <laughs> okay. Because the sooner we're there, the greater awareness we can create. Yeah. Yeah. And then by the time they actually do the opt-in for the training, they've already seen you multiple times, right? Because you, you've touched them earlier in the process. Right, right. So it's a little bit warmer, too, for the salesperson. Yeah. So, so do you feel that it's important or is it overkill to try to get some information from a demographic or psychographic perspective at this point? Cause I know it's important for marketing, but that might make a really awkward sales conversation. What, do, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I really, I think it depends on the product. Mm-hmm. Um, I really feel that demographics are sort of over overused. It's kind of, that's not really what triggers people to buy anymore. I mean, you can have um, an entrepreneur who's 20 and one who's 80, well, maybe, um, that are all going to opt into this training and they might equally need it and equally buy it, but it's not because of their age. It's because of some other need that they have. So I would rather you focus on the needs, the pain points, and why those are important than the demographics. I love it. Love it. Awesome. So from your perspective, if we're talking about sales teams, whether it's somebody that's building a sales team um, or has one already in place, it's got, you know, five, 10 people in it. From a marketer's perspective, 
what do you feel that frontline, the sales team, need to keep in mind? Because we often get this, oh, the leads are bad. You know, the, it, sales blames marketing, marketing blames sales. And that's, yep. you know, it's old, you know, Hatfield and, <laughs> and McCoy's, right? We're, we're battling for, for years. Yeah. Um, we know that communication is vital. But what would you say to, to that frontline team that they need to keep in mind about marketing or that they can do to help marketing? Um, I would say when you um, start seeing a pattern in what you're doing. So if you are, um, you know, starting to close a certain number of people or um, maybe you even close the first person and it's like your first sale, like let marketing know what was it in that conversation that you think turned them around, mm-hmm. right? Especially if you can't afford to do market research, right? Mm-hmm. Just listening and and. And sharing, like share, the more you share with marketing, the better. I don't think you could overshare. Like, I know that there's some people who are like, I don't want to be annoying. Like, they're late on getting me my uh, brochure. I don't want to bombard them with other stuff. I just want them to work on that brochure. (laughs) Well, there may be something in a conversation that you had that if those exact words were put on the brochure, you would be that much further. Mm -hmm. Taking out of the language. Yeah. 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 And when I do research, I ask people right verbatim what they say, because mirroring back, you guys do this in sales all the time, mirroring back, even the verbiage, like not just the, the motions and, and yeah. posture and all that stuff. Um, that's important too. 100%. Yeah. yeah I actually had a client uh, a few years ago. Um, he, uh, he actually went through and he had this big retreat and he had people come and he started writing verbatim in his journal, their testimonials. And then we took, and it was interesting because he hand wrote them. It was kind of neat. Um, but then we took those and used the exact language to create his next sales page for his upsell. Nice. Cause we could use exactly the problems as they were describing them yep. and the solutions that they were looking for word for word as they, as they laid them out. Mm-hmm. So I think that language is a really, really big piece that we sometimes take for granted. Oh, um, you know, we're, we're very focused from a sales perspective on how do we move them to the next part? Um, and we don't think of, hmm, how is this, what, what language is this person using and how can I make note of it, you know, for my own future conversations, but also uh, for, you know, from a marketing perspective, whoever's doing that, how do we get that back to them? And yeah. one, one of the examples I know I've got um, a client who, uh, has been in, in the HVAC space. In Canada, we say HVAC. Yeah. In the U.S., they say HVAC. Oh, okay. Mm, I didn't know that until I, did I not know that wrong either. to yeah. people in the U.S., right? So little things like that even. Um, yeah. Um, you know, uh, Ryan Levesque, he wrote the book The Ask Method and, and the other book, or the book Ask and the book Choose. And uh, he, he created the Ask Method. I mean, he said that there's there's certain things that you say that just show that you're outside the loop. And one of the yeah. analogies he uses on stages is if you say he loves Lego and he says, you know, if you say, pass me those Legos, <laughs> they know you're not a Lego yeah. fan because you said Legos. Right. And Lego plural is Lego. Yeah. Anyone in the Lego says, no, I'm not a big Lego guy. Yeah. But I thought it was a, a great like example of just how one minor thing and it's the letter S that's it. Yeah. If you especially, add on the letter S, you've disqualified yourself from being a credible authority in the space. Exactly. And especially where there's a lot of people out there who are selling in like niche industries, right? And mm-hmm. those industries have a lingo. And, you know, when I was marketing for um, a tech company and they served the U.S. pharmaceutical industry, 
The lingo was a really hard thing. I actually had to pass all of my marketing through a partner that we had in the U.S. that was in that space because I was like, I'm so terrified to word it like market access. And like, there's just different terms that Mm -hmm. I didn't really know. And it would just like show up so poorly in the, yeah. So the lingo, understanding that is really good. And the other thing that sales people can do is if they do get leads and they are shit, like maybe don't use the word, these leads are shit, but tell them why. Don't just say that this, like, I can't close any of these. Like figure out what is it, what is it about this list that's not good? Are they, you know, they don't have a need or maybe because then the marketer won't waste their time doing a lead generation that that will give you the same thing again. But if you don't tell us, we're like, we just got you 500 leads. You should be happy. Right. But but if it's not linked close enough to the product or the problem that you're solving um, or it's linked to a pro- like a problem that you're solving, but maybe not the key problem, mm. then like the more you can share about that, the better the marketing will be. Right. So we're back to communication again. Yeah, it comes down to yeah, yeah, awesome. But I think that language part is so key, and we we take it for granted. Like simple things. I mean, in Canada, we we often see the problem with oh, we should translate this into French if it's like a printed piece of material. Yeah, and a lot of people that speak English don't speak French, so we have to send somewhere to you know make sure it's translated properly. Um, and you know we think that's a big deal, but we don't always think about between different dialects or you know like just between Canada and the U.S. Oh yeah, spelling mistakes. When I work, when I work for the beer companies, um, specifically when I worked for Labatt on the Alexander Keys brand, they're interbrew now. Um, but we had, so I serviced all of Canada and we had different messaging going out to different provinces. Mm-hmm. Dep- even if it was the same language, mm-hmm. we might word it in a different way based on the nuances in that province. But specifically for New Brunswick and Quebec, mm-hmm. We had two different translators, two separate translators, even if it, they were translating the same thing. And it came out differently. Because New Brunswick French and Quebec French are different French. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And, and, even- and the local people in the market, if you didn't do that, like the sales reps, and they were like, no, I'm not even putting this up. This is just embarrassing. Yep. Right. Well, and you know, it's interesting. I don't want to get all you know, a little off track here, but I once took a trip to Quebec and uh, one of the people that was with us was bilingual in you know new brunswick french and asked for directions and someone in quebec and this is just one experience i'm not saying that this is everybody in quebec disclaimer disclaimer <laughs> yeah we love quebec <laughs> yeah but, but, they, but they pointed us in the wrong direction and i i think and this is a long time we're talking like 15 years ago yeah but i think it was because they're like oh you know this person's you know doesn't speak our french they're not from here yeah, that's the the energy that I got anyway. And I, I could be assuming I could be reading into it, but, yeah. but that's the difference in the culture, right? It's yeah. oh, you're not one of us. And if we're not, if we are coming across in that way, is we're not one of them from a marketing or sales perspective, we're at the door. Like there's a whole uh, a, a much greater hill to climb to make that yeah. connection. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, little, little things like uh candy bar in the U.S. is a chocolate bar in Canada. Yeah. Uh, you know, okay. pop, and can- pop and soda, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so tomato, interesting. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, awesome. So, Haley, I want to dive into what I call the lightning round. Okay. Oh, geez. Now I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. You should be. No, I'm just kidding. I'm very competitive. <laughs> All right. Lightning round. As we know, coffee is for closers. Pause for a sip of my coffee. 
Alaska. I didn't bring coffee today. <laughs> we'll fix that. <laughs> um, what's your favorite kind of coffee or comparable drink? Uh, I like just, I like Tim Hortons. I like Tim Hortons with two milk. Two milk. All right. Two milk. That's acceptable. Mm-hmm. We are Canadian. Tim Hortons is an <laughs> answer. <laughs> awesome. What's the number one book or movie you would recommend to sales reps or sales leaders? And we can extend this into marketing people if you'd like. Okay. Um, for small businesses, um, oh, what's the book called? I like um, Book Yourself Solid. Oh, Michael Ford. Uh, yeah, I think I had it. Yeah, Michael Port. Yeah, yeah. I like Book Yourself Solid. I think that that's because it has like the sales, it has the marketing, it has the like figure out your ideal client, which is the key, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that for any entrepreneur would be a good one to start with. I think that that book is the best book that describes what online marketing is in a way that doesn't sound like it's online marketing so normal people understand it. Yes. Like his concepts are so, so I, I love that book. I actually at one point was in uh, one of his programs. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the book is great. Like just concepts um, and here we'll give a teaser. Uh, Michael Port has a red velvet rope policy, which means you don't let people in unless they meet yes. certain qualifications. I love it. Right. So yeah, I, I love Michael Port stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's basically saying like, don't compromise on that. Decide what you're going to do, who you're going to let in. And don't compromise. And I think that when people compromise, that's when you get the less than ideal clients. And that's when you can start getting that bad word of mouth if you're not dealing with the ideal people, right? Totally. Yeah, because if you're not dealing with the ideal people, you're not solving the problem in the way that you can. And sometimes those are people that don't have the money to pay. They're trying to nickel and dime you. And then they become, in my experience anyway, uh, you know, the people that's, that nickel and dime you are the ones that are needier. And then you become more frustrating for you. And it's just, yes. it doesn't feel good. No. Right? So, yeah, I love the red velvet rope policy. Um, all right. Next question is who is someone you've considered to be a mentor in your life? Oh my goodness. Um, I would say, um, not as much as when I was younger, but when I was younger, I had a boss, her name was Beth McGilvery and she was a really good mentor. She basically let me run with things. Um, and it was the first time that somebody had that kind of confidence in me. And I think that it gave me confidence throughout my entire career. And she was one of my first bosses. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. That that belief, having somebody else believe in you is such a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. And saying, you know what? You might make a mistake. I don't care. Do what you think is right. Like, I just loved that. Yeah. She was really good. Awesome. Awesome. And the final question of the lightning round well, what is the strangest thing you do in your daily routine to keep you on your game? <laughs> oh, gosh. You know what? I hate routine. I have no routine. I'm what? such – yeah, no. I have no routine. Um, I would say the only routine I have is um, I wake up and I drink my coffee while I'm watching TV with my daughter. <laughs> That's the only routine I have. Um, everything else is – all over the place. It's not strange, but I think it's a good routine though. I mean, you got that connection first thing in the morning and you've got Yeah. Cup of Java, right? Yeah. Love it. Yeah, no, I don't really have. Nope. 
Nothing strange, huh? All right. Okay. Nothing strange and no routine. Like I'm all over the place. Yeah, that's that's I that's try to create a routine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't stick to it. I kind of like I'm very heart driven and whatever, you know, I will attend my meetings. <laughs> right. right? <yeah. laughs> I'm not gonna like, leave right anybody out. hanging, but like the other stuff that I have to do, it it all depends on, you know, I could be doing it at midnight, I could be doing it at three in the afternoon. Just depends on how I'm feeling. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. You survived the lightning round. My next question for you, though, is you mentioned earlier that you've got this Facebook group that can help out entrepreneurs when it comes to marketing. Tell us about that. Who is it for? Yeah. So I have a group. It's called DIY Marketing, and it is for business owners who are tasked with doing their own marketing. So a lot of startups who just haven't um, been able to afford marketing, um, but you know you have to do it. So within this group, it's all people who are in the same place as you. Um, and we we talk about, you know, some of the steps you have to take. People ask questions so you don't get stuck and you get some momentum going. And also trying to get your mindset right because you're in business doesn't mean you're a marketer. And <laughs> sometimes it's hard to put that, like, you know, you have to do it if you're by yourself. Same as sales. You know you have to do it if you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it helps to have other people who are going through the journey with you. And that's what's happening in the DIY marketing group. Awesome, guys. So I got the link there. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash DIY marketing. With Haley. With Haley. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You got cut off. Sorry. Look at that. Okay. We we will post that in the comments to make sure you have the whole thing. But it's DIY marketing with Haley. Yeah. All right. And where can people go to find even more of your greatness? Um, I'm very, very active on Facebook. Facebook. Um, So Headspace TV, you can find me every week. Um, But also my own page, uh, Marketing on Purpose. And I have a website. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me. You can find me anywhere. On LinkedIn, it's just under my name, Haley Bowen. Gotcha. All right. (laughs) Awesome. Any last words that you would like to share with our audience to help them bridge that gap between sales and marketing? Um, I would just say that you need to have both. (laughs) I think a lot of small businesses are like, I can only afford one. Um, I think they're two very different disciplines, Mm -hmm. Um, even though their goal is the same and they need the same kind of information. um, It's a different uh, type of skill set. And I think you can learn them both, but um, you have to have both. You can't just do marketing and not have somebody, able, especially if you're in like a B2B, um, not have somebody able to close it for you because then you'll end up with like a ton of leads, which has happened in my life. Um, and none of them closed because we didn't have anybody in the company who knew how to close a sale. Mm-hmm. We were all too like, I don't want to bother you, you know. Yeah. So I, I feel like if you're a small business or startup or, you know, you need to have both. There's a, there's a spot for both. 100%. Yes. I know sales, um, it can be done without marketing, but it's a heck of an uphill battle. Like, and I mean, you're, you end up doing marketing. You're the uh, marketing yeah. is, is getting in front of people, right? So if you don't have a, a marketing function going on in your business, then you're going out and meeting strangers and trying to create that relationship from scratch. Yeah. And yet to your point, if you don't have sales, all that work is for nothing if they're not closing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's for like more complicated sales, right? That you would need both. But if it's, you know, more nominal, you could probably do both yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It, it doesn't have to be yeah. two separate people. It right. just has to be two very, well, 
You have to do both. (laughs) You need to do marketing on purpose. Yes. (laughs) Uh, uh, And then you need to give yourself permission to sell. Uh, Yes. uh, Oh, I love it. Love it. Uh, But they need to go together, right? Absolutely. You need to be intentional with both. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it can be one person, but you need to understand that there are two parts to that same puzzle. And if you're missing one, there's a big gap in the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're missing it, like get, get some help. Like it's all, like I said, it's all learnable skills. Um, And yeah, some people are going to be better at it than other people, but you, you can learn the steps to take. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Haley, thank you so much for joining us on Sales Team Rescue. Guys, to catch this replay and replays of previous episodes, go to salesteamrescue.com. We will see you next Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Remember, guys, get uncomfortable, get results, and we got you. Cheers. Love it. Thanks for joining me. Let's keep the conversation going. You can find more episodes and a link to join our online community over at salesteamrescue.com. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe and give the show a review to help us reach more sales leaders like you. If you'd like our support in creating your own high-performance sales team, book a call with us at salesteamrescue.com. 